Good afternoon and welcome to another episode of Paul Martin's Crucial Conversations. Today we have with us Chris Brem from Lifeline Physical Therapy and Pulmonary Rehab. <laughs> Excuse me. So we have Chris Brem from Lifeline Physical Therapy and Pulmonary Rehab. Lifeline is a six clinic business that is located in Western Pennsylvania. And Chris has been a longtime client of Martin Healthcare Advisors and has done just a phenomenal job in marketing the very specific services that Lifeline is best for their patients. Chris, welcome. It's great to have you with us today. Thanks for having me, Paul. So, Chris, we go back further than five years, mm -hmm. but take, take me back five plus years and you had kind of this market intelligence that your practice would not thrive or possibly even survive just simply being a traditional do everything physical therapy practice. Yeah, that is correct. About five years ago or so, um, we realized that our market was becoming more saturated with some of the bigger health systems. And we felt that we had to do something to differentiate ourselves. We had a, a unique niche in the pulmonary rehab, and that's when we first met to find ways that we could expand our company um, and better position ourselves. At the same time, pulmonary rehab was gaining the attention of large, larger insurers as a way to um, reduce the downstream cost. So we had a program, we just needed to get the word out there and do a better job of educating the public on it sure sure so 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 chris um had something internal first a program and a good program and so again as opposed to looking out at all the great programs that you can start out there that others and other markets may have been successful with chris looked internally first at something that he did best for his patients in his market and so Pulmonary was your niche, mm -hmm. and you determined that no one was going to take that away from you. What were the steps that you took to make sure that no one took that away from you and that that was a reality? So uh, pulmonary was always a, a good niche for us, and it even helped us to build our traditional PT practice. Um, it brought in patients that we may not have ever uh, saw before for traditional PT. Um, just like everything, there was opportunities and there were some um, difficulties with it. For example, only two to 8% of patients who should be referred to pulmonary rehab actually are referred or even make it in the door. Um, so that was our biggest challenge, but that's where we also thought was our biggest opportunity. How could we get our name out there, our 15 to 20 years plus of experience doing this in the benefits of this program, just getting the name uh, or services out there, more exposure. Um, and that's kind of what led to the practice liaison, us hiring a practice liaison. So we, we had somebody who was focused on doing that. So Chris, when did you hire your practice liaison? And what were the skills and the personality traits that you were looking for in that practice liaison? So we hired our practice liaison in April of 2018. And as I said, this was a new position in the company, but we really wanted the position to be an extension of our clinical service. 
Um, we wanted someone who could develop relationships, nurture relationships. So customer service was very important for us. Um, someone who could handle any conflict, uh, was good at overcoming, um, overcoming objections, um, <laughs> and friendly and outgoing. Um, technology was important. We wanted someone, we, we had these tools that we wanted to use, so they had to have some technology skill also. Sure, sure. You know, s something that jumps out at me is, Chris said, somebody that could go out and develop relationships and build relationships. And I also heard customer service. What I didn't hear in Chris's description of the traits of what he was looking for in a practice liaison is sales or even marketing. Um, and I think as Chris continues, we're going to see that the best practice liaisons may not have any sales or even marketing experience, but they have relationship building experience and those kinds of traits. So once your practice liaison was trained and out in the market, what were some of the initial results that you saw from this effort? So in 2018, once we had her trained, uh, we had about a half of the year um, with her out in the market. And that year we saw a six to 7% increase in new patient evaluations. And then in 2019, we saw approximately a 15% increase in new patient evaluations year over year from 2018. So a pretty immediate. Yeah. Increase. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, that's, um, I, I, I think that a practice liaison strategy that Chris has done so well. It's not an instant, they go out in the market and instantaneously there's a turnaround. Um, but it's a process because building relationships does not happen quickly. And so Chris stuck it out and you know, saw that 15% um, in 2019, which, which is awesome. Mm -hmm. What do you believe were some of the keys to her success? So I believe the keys to our success were the tools that we used to implement. Um, that gave us, uh, it, it allowed us to focus on the results and the effort, uh, the results of our efforts. We started by um, classifying physicians based off of the number of referrals. And, and then we implemented our marketing activity log. What we found was we had a lot of physicians that were referring one or two patients um, a year but not many that were referring more than, or one or two a month. And if we could focus on developing those relationships where we're getting more um, referrals per month from more physicians, obviously that would lead to more uh, overall patients. So the tools allowed us to evaluate weekly, monthly, who was sending patients, who wasn't, who was up, who was down, and where we need to target our focus each month. Um, so I think that was the biggest um, keys to success. She also, she also worked with the clinical directors regularly and spent time in the clinics to, again, learn and become an extension of what we're doing in the clinic um, so she could explain some of our differentiators uh, compared to our competition better. And then lastly, we had her get out in the community, not, um, not the physicians, but the community more community events, health fairs, um, chamber meetings, those types of things. Yeah, Chris, um, 
in, in, in classifying your physicians mm -hmm. and then also adding to that some of the referral sources in your community, do you have a sense on how many touches, and what I mean by a touch is a contact, going in, um, maybe just saying hello, asking some questions, how many touches it took before from some of those physicians who had been at just one or two a month, before that you started seeing that increase? Is it two, is it five, is it seven, is it 20? How many touches was, was it your sense that she needed to do to get some activity? Yeah, um, not sure exactly how many for each physician, but we started with her the, at 40, approximately 40 touches a week, getting out there making 40 touches. And, and we had a follow-up that if you, talk to somebody one week within 30 days, there had to be another one. Um, and like you mentioned earlier, we had a lot of physicians that were referring one to two. So we had to narrow it down. Who, who did we see a potential with in focusing on those and spending, as you said, more touches overall, but I would say a minimum of three, at least, if not closer to five to start to get that momentum to get the consistency in referrals. Sure, sure. And we, we see the very same thing with liaisons across the country, minimum of three and in around that five is when they either they either stick and they start to refer and they start yeah. seeing, you know, that that, you know, this liaison is really a help to their practice as well. Or, you know, you go on to the next one. Mm -hmm. So you guys were running strong through 2019, 2020, just flying. And then, uh-oh, then came COVID. Yeah. Um, how did you redirect your, her marketing efforts with all the restrictions and all the shutdowns? Um, how did you do that? Yeah, well, I think um, like a lot of other companies, we had to find different ways, more innovative ways. And a lot of that became, so you, we couldn't do the face-to-face. -face, so a lot of that became email campaigns, phone calls, faxes. And just like the in-person touches, not once, but over and over and over again, um, up to the point of becoming annoying without becoming annoying, <laughs> sure. but we had to, it had to be consistent. Um, so we shifted our focus to, to we, that's how we got our touches. Um, we started to do a lot more with social media and even used the company to help us with that. We were on social media, but not consistently. Um, so we stepped up with our social media. We had new programs, like I think a lot of people did, the telehealth, which became huge for our pulmonary patients or our pulmonary program because they couldn't, they couldn't get, they weren't allowed out. Their physicians sure. were saying, don't leave your home. And that actually increased our new patients and increased, um, going back to context, uh, opened up new doors with physicians. So just really driving the, the phone calls, faxes, um, emails. Uh, we did things like care packages to the local schools with hand sanitizers and face masks. Um, and keeping consistent, met, consistent messaging that we were a safe place and that we, were an, we can be and should be an integral part of a patient's primary care team. Um, th there was no, <clears throat> excuse me, no diagnostic testing surgeries were put on hold and we wanted people to know that we could be an integral part of their primary care team and we should be part of that. Um, so that, you know, that was our, that's how we 
managed at that time. Yeah, and, and let me tell you, congratulations there because, uh, you know, and, and, and to no fault of many business owners, so many business owners, they just froze. They just froze. They, they, they didn't know what to do. And it sounds like, you know, you took action and you had that resource with that mm -hmm. practice liaison to take that action and that she was very willing to redirect her marketing efforts to, as you said, email, text, fax, whatever it took to make those contacts. Um, so now that COVID is kind of entering into a new phase, I don't want to say it's coming to an end, I don't want to say, but it is definitely entering into its next phase. What's going to be the strategy now um, as, as we enter into this new phase? Yeah, you know, We've thought about that a lot and talked about it a lot. And even though we still feel that in-person and face-to-face -face touches are ultimately more effective, I think we've learned that some of these other techniques have a place. And we can have more touches in less period of time. So to supplement um, the in eventually when we can get back to face-to-face, -to, -face, to supplement them with these other forms of touches, I think we'll always have, our, we'll always have a, a place. You know, over the past year, we saw an uptick in our direct access patients. So focusing on that, we'll continue to have a, uh, a social media strategy uh, to, as, as part of this. Um, focusing what we started um, out with talking about is our pulmonary program and some of those programs, because unfortunately, there's patients out there who have residual symptoms from um, COVID and um, so focusing or ha and having that and um, keeping our messaging, as I said before, that we can be and should be part of a patient's primary care team. Sure, sure. And, you know, look, <laughs> you prove over and over again what a phenomenal leader you are. And um, I'd love to know how you and your staff continue to manage and handle all of this uncertainty that we all face. Yeah, that's that's been the biggest challenge. But, you know, I think it's made some of, of me, but some of us step outside of our comfort zone. It's really uh, we really had to improve our communication patterns and rhythms. Um, we started talking brutally honest where we were, where we are and what we need to do and what that's going to look like um, moving forward. Um, the communication, the, the saying last year that we would see on TV is we're all in this together. And I really think that that our staff really grabbed onto that, that we are all in this together. We have sure. to trust in each other. We have to trust in the process. And again, going back to what we were talking about earlier, going into this, um, thanks to you guys and a lot of the tools that we implemented prior, that gave us um, the uh, it gave us a framework to get through this. We had the liaison. We had the the weekly the weekly tools to look at. We were doing weekly huddles. We had budgets that we could adjust. We had tools in place to look at. So we went into this stronger. Um, and yes, we had struggles and we're still working through things um, today. But n I think our staff knowing um, the value of having some of those um, some of that structure in place going into this gives us the confidence to come out of this in what we need to do. Well, Chris, we started five years, five plus years ago, 
and you've grown to where you are now, which is absolutely so impressive. Um, you, you have done a phenomenal job. Thank so you. where do you see Lifeline five years from now? <laughs> well, first, we want to get back to where we were leaving 2019 <laughs> and going into 2020. Yeah. Um, again, I think, unfortunately, unfortunately, uh, being a respiratory and pulmonary niche that there will be opportunities there and with some of our add-on services we have a unique uh, uh, somewhat unique model and I think with some of the new exposure that again unfortunately that this has caused um, and it, it led us to step outside of our comfort zone that I think that will push us forward to continue to get back on that same growth pattern um, that we were prior to this. And ultimately, um, hopefully six clinics turns into more than six clinics down the road. And I think we have the infrastructure and tools to do that. And even throughout this, we kept moving forward, uh, adding staff, educating staff, implementing new things. We didn't stop and put things on hold. Um, we may have slowed down, but we kept moving forward because we wanted, you know, in 2021, keep keep going in that direction and where we were headed prior. Absolutely. Well, Chris, I cannot tell you um, how, how proud it makes me to hear you um, because, you know, we had those discussions, you know, mm -hmm. many, many years ago. Yeah. And you had that vision. You had that vision. You had that curiosity of, okay, I think I have something here. <laughs> I think I have something really special here. We just need to get it out and we need everybody else to understand just how special it really is. Um, and Chris, congratulations. You've done a phenomenal job in doing that. And I can't wait to take the ride and see where you're going to go over the next five years. Thanks, Paul. So for all of you out there, I will tell you what you just heard from Chris. Chris is in probably one of the top three, top three in the entire United States, most difficult markets to not only thrive, but just to survive. And he has continued to grow in those markets. And as he just alluded to, he has done that because he has embraced tools, structure, strategy, focus, and systems. And so for any of you out there in your markets, who feel like you're kind of stuck in the mud, give me a call and we're going to have Chris's information as well for you. If you'd like to give him a call as well, he'd be more than happy to talk to you, but give us a call and let's talk and let's get you out of that mud. Thank you. I look forward to talking to you in the very near future.